Hi, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Gracie. And I'm Selena. And this is Catching Up With Us. Thanks for joining us on this week. So nice to see you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Feeling, you know, mostly good almost to the end of the week. Woohoo! Uh, um, <laughs> day off tomorrow, so feeling good. It's my Friday. Man, I, I, I feel like this stretch between like President's Day, MLK Day over to Memorial Day is like the longest. I don't know if it's like actually the longest in terms of number of days, but it always feels like it drags on the most. Like summer goes by fast because it's fun and you have things to look forward to. And then you have Labor Day and then all of a sudden, like it's like the holiday. It's like it's everything, you know, right yeah. in that period of time. I feel like this is this is the longest stretch of like planned days off. <laughs> totally agree. It is the hardest. And also it becomes summer and starts to get nice again. So you just want to be not working. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I, um, I don't, I don't know if you felt, I feel the difference this year that versus last year a little bit, because maybe it was because the pandemic had just kicked off, but like spring last year, I was like spring and summer last year. I was like, I'm totally fine to be inside. And I don't feel like I'm missing out this year. I do like, I'm like, what can I do to be outside? I want to get like out of my house a little bit more. A hundred percent. I think yeah. at least here also like March and April and a little bit of May were like the wettest April, mm. March, April, May we'd had in a few years. So it was like gray so and rainy, to stay inside. which is uncommon for that time in Southern California. And it was, I was like, I don't need to go anywhere. Like, <laughs> but this year I'm like 80 degrees here tomorrow. 80 degrees. Isn't that nice? 80 oh degrees. Summer already. Um, yeah, my mind's, I'm like on a boat mentally. Yeah. <laughs> Somewhere in the Mediterranean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh my like God. in Mamma well, Mia in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, I should watch that this weekend. That's a good idea. But let's, um, uh, you know, this, this episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about continuing our, our series on the personality series. And we'll dive into that in a little bit, but let's start off with some of our favorite questions of the week. What's something you've been eating this week? Um, we rediscovered the rotisserie chicken this week. Mm. I haven't bought a rotis chick in a long time. And, and it's it, such a good deal. <laughs> such a good deal. I was like, I don't, why don't we buy this every week? Yeah. <laughs> put it in salads, put it in soup, put it in. It was like, it was also like $6 for like yeah. the most delicious rotisserie chicken and it's fed us all week. And mm. we didn't have to cook much, which was great. That's amazing. What about you? I did not cook anything super interesting this week. I think there's two things that are kind of like foodie things that are were, were exciting this week outside of food, but I bought two new cookbooks. I bought Jake Cohen's Jewish, and then I bought Dory Greenspan's cookie book. So it's like literally an encyclopedia of every single type of cookie from around the world you could possibly think of. So I'm making, I know I've asked you this before, but I'm making a formal request now on the podcast. It's on, it's recorded for you to create a cookbook excel sheet okay because half the time when you get new cookbooks they're on my list of gifts for you <laughs> and I have nothing <laughs> yep I, okay we'll do that yeah request for a cookbook excel sheet so yep. I know so where you're at are, what you need <laughs> I can do that I can do that for you I I've justified buying new cookbooks a lot more this year because I'm actually using them a lot this more this year um, so that's been nice. And then the other foodie thing um, is Passover's on Saturday. So I've spent the week kind of planning and gathering ingredients for what Or and I are going to have for our two-person Seder, which has been fun. What are you going to have? Pretty much everything, but we're starting off. Let me, let me walk you through our courses. This won't take very long, but 
we're gonna do a matzo ball soup, like a chicken soup with matzo balls to start with a couple different things to dip our matzo in, like egg salad and harosa, which is like a sweet apple dip. And then I'm gonna make kind of this Mediterranean or this Middle Eastern like um, tomato dip. That's that one of our family friends always makes, which is really delicious. Um, then for the main course, I'm gonna make like a sticky sweet short rib situation, skipping the brisket this year. Um, but brisket just takes like five and a half days and I don't have it in me. Um, so short ribs, we're going to do a potato kugel um, and a like mushroom quiche in an Israeli salad. Um, and then for di for dessert, I'm going to do a cheesecake with like a mac like a coconut macaroon crust. Oh, <gasps> yum. And that's pretty much all I'll be doing on weekends. So, <laughs> so that's it. That's so, that's great. That will take up your whole weekend, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah, you know, humble Seder for two. <laughs> well, we figured it'll feed us through the weekend. We'll have some leftovers. We might as well kind of go all out and, and celebrate the holiday. Um, and we'll have a bunch of dips to take us through the week with our matzah. So we're okay. That's great. That sounds yeah. good. It'll be fun. That's nice. <laughs> um, kind of going on to the next topic here. Anything you're reading or watching that you've been enjoying? Um, not really, actually more of, I haven't, I started a book a couple weeks ago and haven't picked it up in a little while. <laughs> Me too. Not, I, I'm interested in the book. I just haven't had the energy to bring myself to read. Yep. And same with shows. I'm like, I can't sit here and think of a new show to watch, but also I'm sick of everything that I've rewatched a hundred times yeah. at this point. So in a, in a media uh, rut, a little bit. Yeah. We, Watched, we binge watched the show on Netflix called The One this weekend, which I think I told you about, but it's basically like, it's based on a book and the book's about this like scientist woman in the UK, I'm assuming sometime in the future, that basically figures out she can match people, like love interest match people by their DNA. Um, and so it's kind of about the society that some people are getting matched, some people aren't, and kind of the, it's a little suspenseful. It was, it was an entertaining show, but now it I what? It wasn't spooky? It wasn't, it was like, it was suspenseful and it was spooky in the way that like, oh, technology could take over our world, but I don't think it, oh. it was like, a, it wasn't a scary show. I watched the trailer for it and I thought it was, it looked like it was going to be like a thriller kind of show. No, it, it was far from a thriller. There's like some mystery in there, uh, but it's, it's more like, oh, this is spooky. This could be what our society's like in the near future, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, so we binged that over the weekend and then I'm back on my uk trash tv i've been watching uh first dates uk and first dates hotel uk on on hbo go which i just love <laughs> I, it's kind of the same thing as you like i'm looking for things that like don't involve brain cells yeah maybe i'll look into that i haven't breached the uk reality tv mm, love island get started Ex i was gonna say except love island i've watched love island and i like love island yeah but yesterday I was Michael's like do you think like the amazing race or something is somewhere like I just want something that's like a lot of episodes that I don't have to think about it turns yeah. out it's on Hulu first date okay my, I might like, I might look into that yeah it's one of those things where like I'm curious because I get invested in who they are and like want them to find love but also like if I'm doing 15 other things at the same time it's not like I'm missing out and need to really pay attention to it so it's, it's a good kind of like mind-numbing show <laughs> good and then lastly before I pass it over to you highs and lows of the week what's exciting you this week 
We are officially looking for a kitten. So if anybody out there is listening and knows somebody who has a kitten that needs adopting, we're looking. I guess and also is close to here. Um, (laughs) Anybody in the San Diego area that has a kitten up for adoption. Yeah. Um, Yes. So very excited. We don't have any pets. Never had any pets together. Um, I'm not really a pet person in general, but you're more of a human person than an animal person, I would say. Yeah, definitely. But I'm open to becoming a cat person. Here's a question for you. Yeah. But no, no. Go ahead. Do you have a name pre-picked out or does it depend on the cat? <laughs> kind of both. We okay. do have some names that we really love. Okay. That's that. how we were too. We were like, here are the four names that would potentially work for a dog, but we still have to meet the dog first before we like... I think we decided like the day before we went down there. Yeah. We also really like, which I know you like too, like old man names. Oh yeah. Big fan. <laughs> <laughs> so they're kind of in that department. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it also depends on the cat, but that's, I've, I've just been so excited. And it also apparently is like looking for an apartment because they go so dang quick. So <laughs> I feel like it's all done all week is refresh well, <laughs> adoption websites. Oh my God. Well, Chewy.com is your new friend. It's a, it's a, like a pet, I guess, food, toys, beds, literally, literally Halloween costumes, anything you could possibly imagine. And they deliver really fast. Um, so that's good to know. That's where we get most of our stuff for Lenny. And he seems to be a fan. And now he thinks every package we get is for him. So <laughs> <laughs> literally bringing up anything. I'm like, this is not for you. And his nose is like halfway in the box. As he should. Yep. He really runs this house. What about you? What's been a high this week? Um, Oh, I don't even think I've told you this, but my parents are coming to DC at the end of April because I'm fully vaccinated. My parents will be fully vaccinated or we'll be getting vaccinated the second day they're here. And so we think it's, I mean, I would say don't travel if you have, if you have to, but I haven't seen my parents. I've seen my parents once in a year and a half and that's less than we usually see each other, but it'll be really great to have them in DC and just see them again this year. Oh my gosh, that would be so nice. I'm really excited. It's now, it's also just giving me something to plan. I'm like, what can we do with them? How can I like find things? Like, I don't know, something on the calendar makes me very happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that'd be great. I'm very excited for you. That's so, so nice. I'm sure they're so yeah. stoked about it too. Yeah, and it's also like, we're not, they're not coming. I think it's a nice it's a different type of DC trip because they're not coming to like go to restaurants with us and like be active in DC. They're really just coming to like spend time with us. So like we'll go on a lot of walks and maybe we'll, maybe I'll uh, appease my mother and go on a hike with her somewhere outside the city. But like, we're really just going to spend time together, like make dinner at home and like eat on our roof. And like, wow, we don't really have an agenda besides like actually just quality time. Are they going to stay with you? <laughs> no, they're going to, because we're kind of like all still working slightly. Like my dad will have to work or, and I will work. I'm going to take some time off, but there's some meetings I'll have to be on. Um, if they stay in the house, we're just really on top of each other. And for how much time we're going to be spending like indoor doing indoor things, <laughs> um, they're staying at an Airbnb, like a five minute walk away. So. Oh, perfect. They'll be close enough by, but not like knocking on our door, our bedroom door in the morning. <laughs> That's perfect. That'll be so nice to like cook together and just spend time yeah. together. My dad has said that he will clean and season my uh, cast iron pan. So oh. that's good. <laughs> Win-win. I know, but that's not <laughs> it. This week has been kind of slow. Yeah. Well, it's not a bad thing, I guess, necessarily. 
I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So shall we get into it? Personalities? Yeah, all you. Type week two series, personality series, part two. Yep. Okay. I'm really excited about this. I've become kind of a nerd about this in the last couple <laughs> of years, but oh, I apologize for whatever sound that was. Um, I don't know if you could hear No it. worries. <laughs> My neighbors are super loud today, so apologies. Um, but we are talking about the Enneagram today, and that is a personality assessment, um, kind of similar to the MBTI, which we talked about last episode, but um, rooted in... Uh, I don't want to call it new age. Like, I don't know. I don't know if that's fair and by no means an expert. I got most of this information from Instagram and like a quick Google search. So don't quote me (laughs) on any of this, but how I, how I understand it is it's kind of like a kind of modern way to look at personality types, but it's been around for a while. Um, But it's rooted in a lot of like world cultures and world ideas. And it was created by psychologists. So um, there's some merit to it, but I also don't think it's like the most established thing in the world. And no, that's I feel like, I feel like at least for me, and maybe it's just because like you sent, send me a lot of things around this, but like, I don't remember growing up knowing what the Enneagram was. Like it's only been really within the last, like maybe year, maybe six months, maybe a year and a half that I've actually like noticed people posting about it and like talking about it, like I'm, I'm unlike the MBTI, which I've known about for many years. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's, it's been around for, oh, I mean, it was, it, the research that I found was that it was kind of formalized in the 60s oh, wow. um, by a couple of psychologists <clears throat> based on like a lot of different other worlds, cultures, ident- like understanding of personality. And they kind of okay. like took all those different theories and put it together into this assessment that gives you nine per- one of nine personality types, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. in a little bit but so it's been around for much longer than I anticipated but I the first time I heard about it was probably like four four years ago Uh and it was the first time I ever took it but I also was in like a grad program for a psych-based thing so we we did a lot of those things right and then a friend got into it a little bit after that and shared more with me but where I most interact with it is on Instagram there's like a lot of Instagram accounts (laughs) specifically dedicated to the Enneagram which is like feels more like astrology in a lot of ways in terms of credibility but what I do like most about it is the way that they present it is very relatable in like a modern world so they'll Mm. tell you like they'll make an Instagram post for each type that's like type what type ones want in modern dating or and they'll break it up based on like you know don't approach that person first with a message let them come Mm. to you so it's like very relatable and very like modern but maybe maybe almost like not in the same and we'll talk about this later but almost more like how people approach like astrology and like reading their horoscope and like how every magazine like is like Capricorns your heart is heavy this week like it's a little bit more like applicable on a daily life schedule versus being like you're not going to whip that out on a Wednesday and be like well because I'm a T in my MBTI score like this is what's going on Totally. hundred percent. I think it's a little bit more legit than astrology. Yeah. 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 But, but definitely I think in practice is used more. So trendiness. Yes. <laughs> but I think like 
well, we can get to this later, but it, it is cool. And like, I like learning about it because I like learning about people. And anytime I can have someone take an assessment, <laughs> I like, <laughs> I share that with somebody. Um, so essentially it's a, a personality assessment that gives you one of nine types. So you can be a one, a two, a three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine. And according to like the Enneagram Institute theory or whatever, you're born, it's like, you're, that's a part, really big part of who you are. And that number like doesn't change. So, so like, unlike the MBTI, where they say 50% of the people who take it a couple of weeks later, get something totally different. It's thought to be that like, if you're a nine, you're a nine for life sort of situation. Yes. And I've taken it probably four different times over okay. the last four years. And I've gotten the same number every time. Interesting. Which is okay. super interesting, which like, that's purely anecdotal, but like that does support <laughs> that idea. No, yeah. that you're like small sample size of one <laughs> does prove that correct. Yeah. So, um, cool. which I think is interesting, which like tells me maybe more that there's more thought or more like holistic, right? Like approach has gone into the questions, but I, I, I did find the questions compared to the MBTI to be a lot more. Like some of the MBTs, I can't think of an example here. I was like, I had to read them a couple of times and be like, wait, what? Like and a little bit more because they're almost like a, t- a little bit too psychology E. I'm like, what are they really asking here? Mm-hmm. Where I felt like the Enneagram one, it was like almost like first reaction. It took yeah. me like two minutes to get through the quiz. It was very speedy. And it was like, yep, this, yep, this, no, this. And it was like very quick and very almost like reactive, instinctive answers versus like me having to decode what they're trying to say with the MBTI. Yeah, I think that, yeah, and maybe that's how they, they get that result of like, this is more concrete to who you are, because it is that like, it's prompting that initial kind reaction. of that reaction. Right. Um, but they also say that the, dom- you're, you're, it's not gendered or like not, you know, women are more likely to be whatever and men are more likely to be whatever, which I think sometimes the MBTI categorizes mm. people that way. Right. Um, which I thought was interesting. And then each personality trait is broken down into like, when you're, so we'll get to this, I guess, but like, if you're a type one, there's a ways that you are type one when you're in a healthy version of type one. And then there oh. are traits that you have when you're in an unhealthy version of type one. So it's very much, oh, like, super interesting. it describes kind of like almost like your, your motivation and like why you do the things that you do and how you interact with people in the world at both like your best and your worst self. So it's like very introspective and very, um, it prompts a lot of like very, like in very deep internal thought process of who you are. And what I also like about these Instagram posts is that like half of the time they're very like they call you out like mm-hmm. in, in a type one, when you're in conflict, you're really bad at X, Y, Z and not in like a pun- punitive way, but like a way that makes you really think about like, oh yeah, I do do that when I'm really overwhelmed and I should probably not do that or, you know, right. whatever, which I think is, I think is the coolest part. Cause it's, it's more con- that feels more concrete than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, That's super interesting. And then the final thing is that it breaks it down by, so it's nine numbers. And so they've categorized, there are three, what they call centers that are encompassed of three numbers. Mm -hmm. And so the instinctive center or like people who operate from instinct in their best selves are as numbers eight, nine, and one. 
And then when you're operating in your worst self, you operate out of anger. So those are like, which I fall into that category and yeah. definitely <laughs> relate to that. Yeah. Um, and then the next center is the thinking center. So people who mainly operate from like a logic-based thought process when they're in their best self are five, six, and seven. And when they're in their unhealthy state, they operate from a place of fear. And then the feeling center, the people who are mostly who make decisions and like are operate from a place of emotion are Mm -hmm. two, threes and fours. And when they're in an unhealthy state, they operate out of a place of shame, which I think is super interesting. I think it's really interesting. I mean, I feel like I introduced you to this a while back and we're diving deep, like, and I've talked a lot. So how, what do you, what do you think of this so far? I, I really like, well, first of all, I understand why you like this, like as a person, because I think it, it encompasses a lot of the things you're interested in when learning about someone. Like you're, you're the type of person that's like both interested in, I'm sorry if you can hear the helicopters, um, <laughs> but both interested in like someone's best and helping them through some of their harder spots or worst parts. And like, that's probably why you went into counseling and you have interest in this. So, like hearing all that makes sense to me why you like this. Um, and I, I think the other side of it is I had no idea about like the a center part and the, the best and worst part. And I think that gives it a really holistic view, like you were saying, and also doesn't give you, it gives you parameters to like label yourself, put yourself in a box in a different way than I think astrology does. than I think the MBTI assessment does it's, it's a little bit more of a spectrum, I think, than like you are this, here's your box. You are this, here's your box. Here's what you're good at. Here's what you're not. It's like more of like, how do you react? How is your, like, and we'll talk about this later, but we're both eights and we, and I understand why we both have the good things and the bad things. And maybe we both react in anger for some things, but like we might approach it differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that. That's how you experience it. Cause that's exactly how I experienced it and why I like it because it mm-hmm. doesn't, it feels like I have a number, which I like identifying as like, oh, this is me. But mm-hmm. I also like that it's not, the box is not so small that I'm instinctually like, don't put me in that box. I don't like yeah. that. Like, that's not me. <laughs> yeah. Which I think yeah. this explains as being part of an eight personality also, which I think yeah. is funny. <laughs> that's funny. I, I think, and you can, you can delve a little bit deeper into this, but one of the things, immediate kind of quick takeaway about this is like, and we've talked about this in many of our episodes and we'll continue to talk about this is like how we have very similar kind of ways of thinking, but we present very differently. Um, and even with our MBTI scores, we were the same exact ones except for our E and our I. Um, and in the Enneagram, we're the same number, but I'm curious to see how it breaks down differently for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is really interesting. And I, I think, I mean, as somebody, like you said, who loves learning about people, but also like understanding people is like my most important value like whether or not I agree or whether or not you know whatever like it I really love when I can get to a place of like oh I really get this person or I really get where they're they're coming from or whatever and having friends and other people in my life take it is really helpful because it's like which I can see this being useful in some professional settings where it's not as like legit and like, I wouldn't take it just because it's a thing to take, but understanding that like, oh, this person is really uncomfortable with conflict. And like, you know, they have a really, when they're really frustrated, it looks like this. Then I know that they're frustrated instead Mm -hmm. of like guessing or, you know, so I think those kind of things are really helpful. And it's helped me like 
when a friend is in a specific place where they're obviously operating from a place of like frustration or anger or whatever. And I understand that they're a seven and they need space or they need whatever. It's, I like that. And that's helpful. So in a way that I, I feel like I can trust a lot more than like, I would never look at astrology and be like, oh, well, Grace is a cat. Oh, because you're a so yeah. you know, <laughs> Her moon cycle is in whatever. And that means, she, you yeah. know, I would never do that. But because I know this part about you, I would know that like, oh, that thing I said really ticked her off, but she didn't say it because of X, Y, Z. Like this feels more reliable to me for that. That's interesting. So let me ask you kind of a question just around this, because I'm curious your thoughts. But like we talked about this in our last episode, but like my workplace uses MBTI all the time. And I'm in the process of like getting some team members on my team. And one of the exercises that I'm thinking about is like a whole activity of like, how do you want to be managed? How do you want to be communicated with all those things? And like, just because it's company standard almost, I will have them take the MBTI. But do you think I should also have them take the Enneagram? And like, do you think that's helpful for me as a manager and helpful for us as a team? I mean, I would would say so. I think two feels Two's always excessive. <laughs> no, not excessive. I was going to say like twos feel weird to me because it always feels like you're comparing directly this thing to that thing. Mm-hmm. So if, I, if it were me, I would pr- probably do three and like maybe one mm-hmm. is even more low key or like really quick or something. But to have like, I'm not just evaluating this thing versus this thing, but like a comprehensive understanding yep. of who you are. But I don't, I feel like, I mean, the Enneagram gives you help helpful information that I think would be hard to naturally or organically understand about somebody mm. that maybe without, like, still in that yeah. setting. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's cool. I'll think about it. I'll yeah. report back. <laughs> <laughs> I think the harder part is like finding the resources once you know your number, what that means. Right. So I'm excited to delve into that because I, I I did the the basic test and just kind of like put my percents out there. And now I'm kind of interested to see what you have to say about them all. <laughs> and yeah, please stop me because I get really excited if you can't tell. I'm like very no, keep going. <laughs> good. So, um, but yeah, so I guess we'll talk about the nine types. So one, one through nine numbered and each number has like a title of what that number means. And the numbers really are insignificant except for the fact that they categorize the thing. Right. Um, it's not like a nine is better than a one or anything. It's just mm-hmm. nine different types. And number one is the reformer. And this is a rational, idealistic type person. Number two is called the helper. And that's a caring interpersonal person. Um, I have a friend who's a two in my life and she is like the most thoughtful, most like you need a bad, you tell her you're having a bad day. She'll show up at your house with a coffee and like yeah. a walk, like, um, think of others a lot before themselves, which is a great person to have in your life. But Mm -hmm. I know know it too that way. The three is the achiever, um, success oriented and very pragmatic. So I think people who are typically like perfectionists fall into like one or three. Mm -hmm. And then four is the individualist, very sensitive, withdrawn, kind of like that inner world person. Mm -hmm. Five is the investigator, intense cerebral type Mm -hmm. um six is the loyalist committed and security oriented i think there are some of those questions the assessment when you're like um you walk into a room and you notice where like the exit doors are or you pay attention to like those kind of things there was also some that were like how often do you think about like being secure in your future or like 
being prepared for the future, being prepared for an emergency. Like that's what I kind of come back to. Yeah. Which I think, which is your second highest number. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk about, but I, yeah, those questions usually I'm like, I don't care. I don't think about that ever. You have an uh, earthquake kit. Just kidding. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then um, seven is the enthusiast the busy, fun-loving type. I have a few of these people in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're usually the person who's like constantly on to the next, like, okay, cool. This is amazing. I'm on to the next thing. Like um, these people usually have a ton of hobbies, mm-hmm. um, just like fun, loving life people. Yeah. And then eight, which is the challenger, the powerful dominating type, which is <laughs> both Gracie and I. <laughs> That's a horrible description, the powerful dominating type. (laughs) Or is it a great description? (laughs) It's both. It's just like heavy. (laughs) It is. From what? From Instagram, which like, you know, whatever. But most people, there's like a, you can find like an individual Instagram page for all of these numbers, except the eight. I feel like the eight is like what nobody wants to be. Interesting. (laughs) Like a Capricorn, apparently. (laughs) Um. And then the nine is the peacemaker, easygoing, self-effacing type. So those are people who are usually like, maybe not as comfortable in conflict, but also mm-hmm. want to keep the peace and like make sure everyone's voice is accounted for and things like that. Yep. And so those are the nine main types. Do you want to talk about your, like what you are and your, your numbers? Yeah. Okay. So I am a solid eight, I would say, because I got 98% and eight, yeah. um, which is pretty high. <laughs> um, I was, I'm also a high type. And I would say most people I know who take this, their number one percentage is in like the 85 to 90% range. Oh, wow. So to be okay. that high is r- rare as I understand it. So I'm really an eight. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then my next one down there is, is a number six at 92%. And the six, just as a reminder, is the loyalist. So committed security oriented, which I think comes as no surprise. Mm-hmm. And then my third one, which is also 90%. Um, so I have three numbers above the 90% mark, which I thought was super interesting when I was kind of looking at this breakdown, is the number one, which is perfectionist uh, or the reformer. Um, so rational, uh, idealistic type. Um, so I think my three top ones, the eight, the six, and the one are like pretty strong. <laughs> they are super strong. And then it kind of goes down from there. But my least, my least compatible number is not compatible, but my, the number that I scored the least high percent with was the number nine, which is uh, the easygoing self-effacing type, which I'm also not surprised about. So I kind of looked at this and I was like, okay, yeah, all this makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Makes sense. I think, you know, according to the Enneagram, whatever, because your main, nu- like your main number, I guess, is what you're born with. It doesn't change like is an eight, but I think it is interesting that your other numbers are also very high percentages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And from, from, so the eight, the six and the one all hit above 90%. And then it drops down to 86% with a three, 74 with a two, 63 with a seven, 60 with a five, 59 with a four, three with nine. Okay. Which is interesting. It is interesting. So, so it's still like, pretty high kind of on all scores. I've heard that like there wasn't one that I don't go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, I, I don't know if anybody scores zero on any, I'd be curious to hear about that, but like, I didn't even come close to zero on any. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't have, I took it a long time ago and I'm, I'm trying to find my screenshots of, I, of the results that I took. Um, but I don't think anybody's like that low percent in any of them. Right. I think, like you said before, the questions kind of like our gut reactions, which I feel like could fall into like a lot of different categories. But mm-hmm. as I understand it, the like that having that high number is pretty significant. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's interesting. All three of my above 90s, I identify strongly with. <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. I think I think the six is the what I would have guessed that you were other than an eight. Interesting. Yeah. Because I think the like pragmatic, logical, loyal part of you is like also very strong. But I think Mm -hmm. also another, another thing that's another way that eight is described, which we'll go into, I have a lot more details on that because we're the same main type is being incredibly decisive. So like we, and, Mm. and that like, it's that instinctive center. So we operate from a place of like, I trust my gut. My gut is right. I know what my gut is telling me, which I think is very characteristic of eights. So like even the way that we answered the questions might be more (laughs) eight-like than we realized, you know, because like my friend who took it, who's a nine, who's like the peacemaker, who is, likes to consider everyone's opinion at the table took a long time to answer each question yeah and that took me like two minutes to get through I was like yes no yes (laughs) which I think is more indicative of the fact that you really are an eight (laughs) yeah that's funny I didn't even think about that I was like this was such an easy quiz (laughs) yeah me too but I am a decisive person (laughs) right and you also know yourself I think that you're like confident in the way you make decisions and how you approach things and kind of what you like and what you don't like which I guess is also part of being an eight but yeah definitely kind of interesting yeah so I've, I've uh, I pulled a lot on what they say about our type because <laughs> I think it's really interesting that we share the same but like you said before and we've talked about before and probably will continue to talk about that in the ways that we're so similar we're also different and so we, I, feel, I feel like we could talk through these and see what what feels right and what doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, but I'm I'm a 99% eight. Oh wow. Also, and then so I also have a really high score for that. And then my second highest is 88%, and that's a five, which is that's, that's kind of a big gap. It's a really big gap. And I was pulling up all the rest are like 60, 70, 40 yeah. percent. So interesting. There's a pretty big gap between my top one and the rest of them. Mm-hmm. and my lowest is also a nine oh, at like okay. 30% or something I, I wonder I'd be curious I, I don't think we have like the data on this right now or <laughs> will ever but I'd be curious if there's like you know if you're an eight you're pretty much guaranteed that your last one is I don't know I'm not like something like that where there's like polar opposites that like most people who score this is their top will prob- most likely score this is their bottom yeah like if you're a nine does that mean eight is your lowest yeah, yeah. You know? Again, have no idea, but it'd be interesting to read about. If anybody listening knows, let us know. <laughs> Drop us a note. Um, but a lot of these pages too on Instagram and like the way that I appreciate how relatable a lot of the way that people describe. And also I think there's like a lot of people who do this professionally. I don't really know what that means, but like huh. people, like I follow a woman who I was gonna shout out. She's a great follow. It's Enneagram Ashton, which I'll, I'll look attach or whatever in the notes. But 
she is a, um, I think like assault counselor works like as a psychologist, is it either a therapist or a counselor and works with victims of assault and whatever. And, but also does trainings and teaches like workshops on understanding your Enneagram. And then also does workshops on like real build, like almost like couples counseling, but in context of the Enneagram. So like Interesting. you're an eight and you're in a relationship with a four, like, what does that mean? Like, what, where are you going to find? Yeah. How are you going to communicate? Where, where are the tough spots going to be for you or the good spots? Yeah. Which I think is really interesting that people make a career out of it. Cause I was also trying to find any like literature on it or anything. And that was hard yeah. to find. So I'm, I'm not sure like, where what are you basing your practice off of. Yeah. So I don't know if it's like other psychologists or other counselors who use right. this as a tool or you can like specifically be trained as an Enneagram, oh. whatever. I don't know. Um, but people make a use it a lot in that way but I think like what's most what's most useful is the way that they communicate that information so like she posts a lot of like per type what like what's the eight's number one value or what's eight's number one struggle or whatever Mm -hmm. so a lot of this information has come from pages like that interesting but um, apparently we value honesty above all things Yep. We're good at getting things done. Um, a core fear is being taken advantage of. Huh. Um, you tend to be intense and passionate. Okay. Very independent. Yeah. Afraid or uncomfortable with being vulnerable. Interesting. <laughs> um, tend to have an issue with control. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Uh, very protective of others. Known for making quick decisions. Strengths are decisiveness, self-assertion, protectiveness, usually excellent leaders, self-confidence, loves to be in charge, standing up for others, loves justice, core fear is being perceived as weak or powerless or controlled. Interesting. (laughs) That hits home for me. Mm -hmm. Um, When in growth, the the eight is empathetic and focused on taking care of the needs of others. When in stress, the eight is withdrawn and set very strict boundaries and do not let others in. I don't know who they're talking about. (laughs) That one's just rude. Um, So yeah, do you feel, how do you feel about those things? Do they resonate? There's definitely some that stand out. I think the honesty thing for both of us, um, and correct me if I'm kind of talking for both of us here and you feel differently, but I think the honesty and like it doesn't say specifically loyalty in here, but there's like a very strong underlying theme of loyalty, whether it's us to others or others to us, I think is, is something that feels right about myself. Um, I don't necessarily, at least I've never really thought about it. I'm, I, the ones that I'm having a harder time with are more of like the, the weaknesses ones. I think I'm, when I'm looking at like the taking advantage of, like I personally don't think I get walked over a lot. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe other people feel differently about me. Um, I, I don't think being taken advantage of is like a distinct fear of mine or like something I constantly think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't say that being vulnerable is also in that category, but I will say I'm simply vulnerable. Like I'm not, I don't have a fear of being vulnerable, but I do, I do think I'm particular about who I let in to see that or who I communicate that with. Mm-hmm. And like in that, because it's such a select group within that group, I'm not, I'm not like 
it doesn't make me afraid, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how to exactly translate that, but at work when, but like at work, if I mess up, I'm the first to admit I've done something wrong. And like, I'm not, I'm not worried about other people thinking I'm like a weak link or something. I don't like to mess up, of course. Like that's, I think part of this as well, but I'm very quick to admit when I've like done something wrong or made a mistake or like screwed something up, maybe more like in a work setting than a personal setting, but the the being taken advantage of and the vulnerability ones stick out as like oh maybe not I could be wrong you let me know <laughs> yeah I think I think I would the only <laughs> which like I feel like is the, the challenger you know I want to say like I would argue that Please. the those things to me feel more at least to me like my interpretation of that feels more like honesty like especially mm-hmm. if I've done something wrong like I'm not going to be like hide that or like right build anything it's like no this happened I'm sorry like yeah where I've screwed up like let's let's do what we need to do to fix it and that feels more like the action-oriented and also honest part of me the same way that like in friendship if something's wrong or something like I've done something to hurt somebody or there's an issue I would much rather just like talk about it than let it fester or like all of a sudden it's been six months and we don't talk, but no one said anything. Like, I hate yeah. that. Like, I'm I, all- I think that's where we differ because I think I hate it too, but I won't do anything about it. And I think that's my like stubbornness with when like the stress part they talked about about like withdrawing and setting strict boundaries. I am very rarely like the first person to apologize or being like, let's talk about like, Selena, I know I've realized that you're being distant with me this week let's sit down and talk about it. I'm not that type of person. I will so much rather put up a wall and just be cold about it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I think, and I, what I was going to say is like the emotional vulnerability, I think is where that is, not you're uncomfortable with it or it's a fear, but it's definitely something you don't do very often or yeah. that's, that's a better way to think about it. Like I'm not scared of it, but it's not something that comes like with ease or like naturally to me. Yeah. And when you, at least for me, when I feel threatened or when I feel like I can't, like, if there's any inkling of like, oh, I don't trust this situation, that's very hard for me to do. Like, I'm not going to, it's hard for me to offer that up right away. Yep. Yep. But I think also as a counselor and like understanding, like being trained to understand the power of being vulnerable, I think I was like forced into that kind of comfortability with talking about my emotions far more than I am naturally. Mm -hmm but and I also think it depends on who you're with like I think a lot of this is situational based mm-hmm. like with your close fa- your cl- close friends the people that you kind of like hold nearest and dearest to you might be different than someone that you just meet or like a new f- maybe, maybe I'm wrong but like that's at least for me yeah I think that's true I think I'm just thinking about back to like classes that I took with like you know my whole cohort or whatever where people yeah there's a strange like the vulnerability part is uncomfortable like instinctually I want to put that barrier that boundary up but also like I feel a strong like ownership of like power of making that experience meaningful so like when when someone asks like a really personal question of like let's talk about race or whatever and like how how that affects you as like a mostly white class like when it's silent for five minutes I would, I would frequently be the first person to like put my experience out there, but that was more for like, I don't know, like the greater good kind of a conversation, but 
it is interesting because like that obviously I'm way more comfortable doing that with people that I know well yeah that's that's also an interesting way to think about it because I'm also I guess like there's a level of like with my deep friends of course there's a level with kind of like the strangers but I also am not afraid of like it's not public speaking but like if I'm in a meeting with a bunch of people and I have something to say like I'm not whether it's good or bad, like I will raise my hand and say it. Like there's not a fear of that vulnerability either, which I think is interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, We did at work like a whole Juneteenth exercise where we were asked like a series of questions and kind of had to take note of how many we identify with and we were broken into groups in our office to talk about it. And like, it was totally random groups. Like it was not the people I normally like go sit with at lunch and like talk to on a daily basis. It was like a lot of random people from my office. Um, and like, I didn't have an, an, I didn't have any issue being the, like you said, being the first one to talk or like break that silence or share my experience or kind of like get vulnerable with these kind of, not random. I I know who they are and like, they work in my office. It's not that big, but like people that I don't kind of socialize with or like not in my inner circle. I didn't have a problem with that at all. Yeah. Which is interesting. (laughs) Yeah. But I think that's also, this is coming on on a little bit of a tangent, but I have no problem public speaking when I'm more, I would say more on the shy side (laughs) in like large groups, especially social situations. Like I'm not, I'm not the loudest one in the room. I'm not going up and shaking everyone's hand. I'm not introducing myself to new people, but like in a professional setting or like a classroom setting, like I really don't mind speaking in front of people. Like I'm very confident with that. Like that doesn't freak me out. It doesn't bug me, anything like that. Mm -hmm. I feel I'm exactly the same way. And I, I mean, I think, yeah, I'm exactly the same way. And I'm, that's where it's interesting that like caring about justice and caring about um, standing up for others is like a big characteristic of this type, Mm -hmm. which I don't know if like on the surface you would identify as something for your, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about that, but like, I don't know if that's something that you would like put in your first, like first line in your bio by any means, where like, I feel like that is something that I tell people often that I care about, but like in the way that we show up in those scenarios feels like it stems from that. Yeah. That's super interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. I also identify with the when in growth, the eight is empathetic um, and focused on taking care of others. I feel like I quite frequently, like in a different way than maybe what was it? A two, Mm -hmm. like, I might not show up with a cup of coffee or like send you a bouquet of flowers or something like that, but I'm very much like, how can I help you in a different way of like, how can I be there to support you? How can I use what I'm good at to help you through this? Or like, do you want to talk about it? Or can I distract you? Like, I don't think I'm like the sensitive, I don't think I'm sensitive in the way that I'm like, I'm going to send you like a goodie bag or like make you feel better, like, and give you a hug and snuggle with you and like that sort of thing. But I think I'm like, okay, this is what I'm good at. Here's how I can help you. Like, how can I be of service? Yeah. I feel the same way. I, I think, think it's an interesting side. Yeah, I agree. And I, I like the, this is another thing why I like the Enneagram for this reason. It's like the, I like the explanation of like what you look like in your, in your growth or like when you're in your best self and like what you also could look like when you're struggling or in a place of being overwhelmed or whatever. Cause I think it's, mm-hmm. it's like that box you talked about. It's not like, it's more of a spectrum. Like, so rigid. Yeah. Yeah, that's super interesting. What of these surprised you on, on yourself? Um, none of these really. Okay. <laughs> I feel I resonate very deeply with most things that describe the eight. I think the vulnerability part is probably 
the least mm-hmm. accurate, but I feel like I can see where somebody who is like this, who's not in the profession that I'm in or, you know, hasn't had the training or like the experience. The training, yeah. could be more on that side. Um, right. I also like grew up really being forced to talk about my emotions, but like yeah. before I learned how to do that as a kid, this was a hundred, like if I was hurting or if I was frustrated, I would like retreat to the max, like to the point where I wouldn't talk to anybody for days and be barely yeah. okay with that. And everybody would be like, did you forget how to talk? Like, and I just was like, yeah. like I'm freezing you out. Um, yeah. So I think that is like inherent, but I've learned to like be more comfortable with that. Yeah, that's, that's definitely my first, my first like defensive line is to like shut it down or pretend it's not happening or like kind of like not like really pull up a wall. Like if I'm mad at someone, I'm more likely not to them and not deal with it and like just kind of go about my, I don't think I'm often mad at people, but like that's the way I'm feeling. And like when I was a teenager, when I'd get like pissed off at my parents, I would just like go to my room and close the door and like not enter. Like the thing I think that made my mom and my dad the most mad was kind of like acting like I didn't care. Like if I'd get in trouble and get scolded, I'd just be like, okay. And like go to my room. (laughs) And like, that was it. Like the wall would just go up, the emotion would go away. And like, I would just kind of like sit in my room and like, fine. I was grounded, but like, I was okay. Like in my, in quiet area. Yeah. I relate to that too. Mm-hmm. And I think I lost my train of thought. I'll get back to it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting because I feel like what you would, like if you just heard these in the context, like not in the context of specific people, this mm-hmm. this type of person might be somebody who's more, you would think is more like, enthusiastic or like vocal or extroverted or any of those things and I think it's interesting that we both don't relate to being that way but like definitely see this side this like this part Mm -hmm. of our which I think is interesting yeah I mean I haven't unlike you I haven't asked a lot of my friends to take this but now I'm kind of interested (laughs) yeah I'm like which one are you (laughs) Yeah, I think it, that's what I think is the best part of it. Like, I mean, I like anything that gets me to think about myself and like my, that gets me introspective, but I think Mm -hmm. the best part about it is learning what other people are because then like understanding what works for them, what their needs are. Like, I don't know. Cause I think also like something that I've learned, I don't know if you've felt this way, but as we get older and like life looks so different for different types of people where maybe you know, maybe five, 10 years ago or whatever, I would, I would be far more judgmental of choices or like the way people made choices or mm. I don't, I mean, I also make decisions that are, some, could be questionable. Like, I, I don't know where that judgment comes from other than maybe just being young, but like understanding how the people in my life make those decisions or like make choices helps me understand that like, we're all so different. And yeah. Like, really cool and like that I don't feel personally attached to why somebody's Mm. doing something the more I understand about them and this helps me really understand especially like the harder parts where it's like okay this person I know this person's going through something but also every time I call them they don't answer their phone or like right you know it's like understanding that like that's not personal that's 
that's their shit and they're dealing with it. And because they're this personality type, like this, it helps me understand that this is like something that they do inherently, not because they're mad at me or because they, you know, or whatever. Which I I think that's that's such an interesting point. And it really kind of sparked something in me as well, because I think at least for me, you know, when I was younger, you know, when something, when someone did something that maybe I didn't understand, or like, at least at that point was like, I don't agree with this, but like in retrospect, I didn't understand it or why they were making that decision. I was very quick to like dismiss it of like, they're not my type of people or they're not the type of people I want in my life. Or like, they're not the type of friends I want. I think I was really quick to like push that and be like, okay, next, next person who else. Um, and I think one of the things my, my parents have always told me, and one of the things that my sister is actually very good at, and she talks about a lot is like, the people you have in your life, like your close friends are the people you love kind of in their best and in their worst, which is kind of what this all is all about. Um, and also like you accept their crazies, right? <laughs> like you might not go about dating like them. You might not go about how you like approach your work life like them, but you like them because like they're your, your friend and a good person versus like, like this one little thing that you did. I don't just, dis- I disagree with, cause I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a part of growing up. It's also a part I think of choosing those people um, because I think like there's a big difference of like having toxic people in your life or having people that just quite frankly don't fit into what you're looking for in your life in any capacity whether it's like romantically as a friendship in a workspace whatever it might be but there's also a part of of me that's like like you don't need to keep those people in your life for sure but there's a part of me that's like if you like kind of what what everything else they have to offer just let it go Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's something I fixate on one little thing and I'm like, this is it. Um, but I, I do think there's something kind of re- this Enneagram brings to light, like the good and the bad. And when you're struggling and when you're thriving and all those things to kind of understand people a little bit better, like, Oh, maybe they, they're dating this type of person because like they're in a low moment. And like, this is kind of something that's vulnerable for them versus being like, I can't be their friend because they choose to date this horrible person. Totally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything you said. And it made, and it, 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 got, it brought me back to the thought that I was going to share before is that something about the eight specifically that most people are like, there's all these things about like the common misconceptions about each type and the eight specifically is like eights like conflict. They like, um, like dropping you because you've done something they don't agree with all those things that you kind of were talking about before and I think more like abrasive yeah or like very direct in a way that's negative but I think what has been and maybe why I like this so much has been really liberating about understanding myself in this context is like I am very comfortable having hard conversations but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that I'm looking for a particular outcome where like before I'm not think, looking to get rid of them yeah no, not at all. Like if anything, like I would like to keep all the great people in my life, you know, but like, I think understanding myself in this context has given me kind of the freedom to understand that like, this is important to me. And like, I want like being honest and like having a conversation when something's frustrating me or upsetting me or, or not even just upsetting me, but like something that I really care about. And maybe we disagree, like, you know, whatever it may be, those things are I understand through this, the context of this, that that's important to me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I also understand that that's not everybody. And like right. that, that, what feels very natural and like important to me feels really scary to a lot, mm-hmm. some other people. And that's not because I'm scary. It's because 
they approach it. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it's helped me understand like other people in my life a lot, but it's also helped me like manage conflict mm. a lot because it yeah. I can be I can feel like I can be true to like myself and what I need, but also like meet someone where they're at, which yeah. I think has been really helpful for like what you were talking about with like accepting your friends and the people in your life for who they are totally and like ultimately like everything we do is a choice right I mean like for the most part most of us are making active choices about our life and like that includes the people that are in it and you can choose to have them in your life you can choose to not have them in your life but there's also like a way that you can approach that that feels right and like I feel like I like I like getting to the point of feeling like if a friendship is no longer working, it's not because it's like a, not a fault. Like I have this right. understanding where it's like, you did this bad thing. And so like, I'm not friends with you anymore. Or like yeah, yeah. I did this bad thing and I'm not, so you're not friends with me anymore. It's like, we are not compatible in this way. And like mm-hmm. that I care about you as a human being, but like this doesn't yeah. work anymore. And that's like, not, it feels very freeing to have that, be able to understand that in a way that's not like, I don't know, like painful. I mean, painful and immature, I would say. Yeah. And immature. And so like, I, I've learned a lot from this tool in that way, which I think is like pretty cool. And like something that I don't, I I didn't, I haven't gotten that from something like the MBTI or like even more like formal assessments that I've taken haven't been that impactful Mm -hmm. in that way. And I think Mm -hmm. that's why I like this so much. That's so interesting. And uh, has Michael taken this? Do you know what he is? Yeah. What he's is he? A, he's a four. Okay. Yep. <laughs> he's um, the individualist. He's an only child for those mm. who don't know. He's the sensitive withdrawn type. He's also like the internal. He probably doesn't want me talking about all this, but whatever. <laughs> he's like very much in his own world and his own space. And he is like in that category of people that are the feelers. Yeah. That makes sense. I haven't had or take this, but I will have him take it and I will report back. So I'm curious. I don't think he's a four, but I was curious with us being so similar in our Enneagram numbers. I wondered if our partners would be kind of similar as well. I was curious about uh, what he would be. I, on, on just looking at the descriptions, I would probably say either a one hmm. or maybe maybe a three. Interesting. That would be my first. I could be really wrong. He could also be an eight. <laughs> I definitely want you to report back. I want to hear what he is. I'm curious. Yeah, but I'm curious if uh, if like our compatibility is is different there, which I think is interesting. I mean, di- like time and, and distance has, has not, has made me not be able to get to know or as much as mm-hmm. I would like to, but I would be kind of shocked if he was a four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but that, that's interesting I'd also and again this is for another time because we don't have the the information here I'm I'm curious like we both have a close friend that's a two that's close to both of us mm-hmm. but I'm curious like I I can't think of anyone in my in my life except for maybe my sister that might be a nine yeah I was thinking I was thinking uh, my sister for the nine but I don't, I can't imagine any of my, uh, not, I mean, off the bat, not that I would have a problem with this at all, but like, 
I, I'm curious, like compatibility of like the people I surround myself with, where do they kind of fall? Are they similar to me? Are they all over the place? That'd be inter- an interesting exercise. Yeah, I think I think there are some things that break down compatibility with other numbers, but I think what we've talked about and what I like the most about this is that it's less about like, oh, like an eight is perfect with a four or whatever, but it's like, yeah, what does this look like with these groups? which mm. I think is a little bit more like, what does it look like to be an eight with a four instead of like an eight is yeah. best matched with a four or whatever. Kind of like the opposite of what you get with astrology where they're like, a Taurus will never be with an Aries. Like, I don't know, I'm just making that up. <laughs> exactly. Um, I have someone in my life for every number. Really? It's, yeah, I have like a close person in my life for every number. That is so interesting. Except I think the three. Huh. Yeah, I well, have. Maybe if Or takes it and he's your first one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, my so, mom, that's super interesting. My mom is a one. Oh, okay. Two. Who's a two? My friend. Okay. Is a two, and Michael's a four. My friend. Yeah, I have a friend who's a five. A friend who's a six. Um, a couple friends who are the, the sevens. I have the most in my the most. I have Interesting. Seven in my life. Huh. Eight. And then I have one friend who's nine. I have one. I have someone from everyone. I think the ones where I'd be shocked again, besides like maybe my sister and maybe one other person in my life who I can think of. I, I don't know off the bat again, making a huge generalization here could be really wrong. The nines and the sevens, I feel like I might be not so much in my life. I think um, the friend that we had that we used to live with is a seven. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm very, it's very interested. I'd also be really interested in this is like a whole different aspect, but I'd be very interested to see what my parents are. Yeah. You should have everybody not take it. (laughs) Yeah. Just because like I, this can be a whole other podcast conversation that we don't need to delve into today, but like, it's really interesting navigating, like being a kid to your parent when you're actually a kid and being a kid to your parent when you're actually an adult and kind of realizing who they are and like who you are and like they will always be your parents and like there's a level of somewhat authority that that comes with that title and like these places right but as you get older and kind of have your own life whether it's like getting married or starting a family or getting more settled into your career there's almost like a little bit of a leveling out which is something that I didn't really expect so I'd be really interested to see kind of who they are in this. We want an episode where totally deep topic on a different level. We we need an episode where we differ completely. That's a topic for that. Yeah, but I I do think it's interesting, like just like understanding who your parents are as human beings and not as your parents, Mm -hmm. for example. And so that's kind of an interesting way to look at it through this. And 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 I'm I'm you know nature versus nurture, nurture versus nature. Like that was a big part of my childhood. Right. Understanding them as adults versus instead of parents from a young age, which I'm sure contributes to why this is so interesting to me. Yeah. And it's also interesting that like, I think a lot of, we have a lot of shared experiences more as adults than we do kind of in the way that we were brought up and we're still like at our core, still both eights, which I think is interesting. It's so interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is great. I'm now about to go on like a, a three week brigade of asking everyone I interact with to fill this out. So thank you so much. <laughs> on a scale of one to 10, like, did you like it? Are you into it? I think I'm into it. I think 
it's a lot easier. What's the best way to put it? Like, this is like the millennial version of an MBTI. It's like a lot easier to like wrap your head around. It's a lot more applicable to your life. It's a lot more, it's a lot less labeling and box putting in. Um, I apologize. Super loud. No, I didn't hear it at all. Okay. Um, Which I think like, unlike the MBTI, we're like, you're like, oh, I'm an introvert or an extrovert. Like I can understand those, but the other four, other three ones, like I don't really understand. This I think is a lot more like approachable, digestible. It, it, it seems like it's a lot more applicable and accessible. I would say like, it's really hard to find an, like an accurate MBTI quiz online versus you can like find the Enneagram online to like our generation, I would say. Totally. And I think we're really benefiting from it being popular I don't even know if it's, I don't even, I don't I feel too old. <laughs> you and your counselor friends. <laughs> know what's really popular, but right. in my circle, it's, it's becoming very popular and like, even down to like in a group chat that I have with a couple of friends, counselor friends who got me into it was like, sometimes the thing will say, someone will say something and it's like, okay, Jesus, that's like a real seven thing of you to do. Like <laughs> common in mm-hmm that circle that I have but I think we're benefiting from the fact that like a lot of people are doing this on Instagram and like that's very easy to access so yeah I totally agree that it's very approachable which I like yeah and I think that there's an aspect of like astrology that is really approachable just because it's everywhere mm-hmm. and like you can literally flip open a magazine and be like this is your 17 magazine daily horoscope or weekly horoscope like I think there's an accessibility there but I think the level, and we'll get into this in another episode, this astrology aspect, like you have to know so much about it to understand. And like at a basic level, just doing a quick, quick glance through of this, like you don't have that for astrology. Like, I don't know what my moon rising is or like what those things mean, but like, this is very, is something you can like take a glance at and be like, yes, yes, yes. I identify with this. This makes sense. I can read about it, but it, which doesn't involve like a lot of the extra like research and time. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Like. which I think is yeah it's helpful and like as a tool which I think a personality assessment or anything anything remotely like psych related should be something to help you understand other people and yourself and I think this does a really good job of that I agree this is fun I like this I feel like we're gonna let's come back to this in another like maybe not like a maybe not like what we do with the MBTI we're like let's take it again and see if we get the same thing but I'd be curious to, and maybe since you know more about it than I do, but like, as we have different conversations and talk about different things, like point out when you see those like different traits and stuff coming out. Cause I think that's super interesting. Yeah, I definitely do that. And I think, I think I'm, I really want you to get, or and like other people in your life to take it. Cause I'm yeah. curious, we could have another episode talking about like. The really people in our life. <laughs> look like. Yeah. And as people, I mean, you're engaged, you're getting married next year. I'm a married person. Like, mm-hmm. I think there's there's an episode in there about what that looks like and this will be helpful context, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will report back. This has been awesome. And liked it. <laughs> let us know if you're listening to this, let us know what Enneagram type you are. <laughs> yeah, let us know. And let us know if you know more information. We'd love to learn more. And next week we'll be talking about the oh-so-legit astrology. <laughs> Fun fact, we are not the same. So we might get a couple of the same ones in BuzzFeed quizzes. I'm excited for that one. Uh, but I do think, you know, obviously we're not born in the same month. So it'll be interesting to see 
what our compatibility is there. Maybe we can find some like, what of our, how do our uh, signs, we won't give any spoils away, but what, how do our signs like, are we, com- are we compatible? Maybe we can look into that too. Yeah. Turns out we're not compatible at all. <laughs> we just quit the podcast. It's over. Friendship so. over. <laughs> oh man. You have been cut off. Pitch <laughs> perfect. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks so much for listening. It was great catching up with you this week. Yeah. Have a good week. Enjoy your Passover Seder. Thank you. And, uh, we'll talk next week. Talk next week. Bye. Bye.